0: My focus on getting corporations to be conscious and use their voice and use their dollars and use their people to make a change. That to me is what's going to drive the biggest change in America and not trying to convince, you know, 99% of white people not to be racist.
1: Welcome to the Healer Dealer Podcast. This is an invitation to expand and empower your own gifts through conversations with the modern mystics, healers, and visionaries of our time. The only way to heal ourselves is to deal with it. I'm your Healer Dealer, Diana Zelecki, and I am so excited to share with you my conversation with visionary Toyin Adon Abel Jr. Toyan is the founder and creative director of Meddling Minds Agency, a creative agency based in Atlanta, Georgia, that works with leading brands to take corporate, social responsibility, and conscious capitalism more seriously. Toyin's 15 years of experience in corporate marketing prepared him to take on the challenge of starting a cause-focused brand earlier this year. His unique approach combines principles of demand generation, digital media, and advocacy to foster social change while helping his clients generate revenue. Toyin believes in the power of marketing to promote equality, education, and social justice. Toyin has worked with leading brands and technology companies, including Showtime Networks, Awan Hewitt Associates, Pindrop, and Stored. His recent work centers around forming partnerships between local brands, nonprofit organizations, and marketers to create fundraising opportunities. We go deep into discussing conscious capitalism, moving forward in unity, and how he divorced his corporate America job to support new wave companies to become aligned with advocacy. I love this conversation with Toyan. I'm also super humbled and excited in the power of social media. I connected with Toyin because my childhood friend is friends with Toyan. She shared a post about my last episode with anti-racism for beginners. He replied, connected us. I wanted to talk to him because I'm super passionate about you know, how to be a more conscious business person moving forward forever. And I just really am just so excited and grateful to share this conversation with you. Um, And I just want to also note, if you are feeling overwhelmed on how to be an advocate in this revolution, I invite you to ask yourself, how can you take small steps every day to reaffirm that all black lives matter. We are in this together for the long haul. Please take good care of yourself so we can take good care of each other. Hey friends, I am super excited to tell you about Guella app. It is all about finding your healer and finding yourself. It is an app that connects healers and I am so excited about this. Literally anywhere you are in the world, you can check out all these different healing modalities and get connected to a healer that is perfect for you. No more searching and searching and searching for who to talk to, who to go to. This app takes out all that work. You know, you can order anything between like food or a car now anything online on an app that has not existed before ever in the world for healers. Now it's here. It's called Wella App and what i love is the story behind it it is literally created by these three siblings and with their celtic roots the word "guella" literally means to improve or get better so literally these three siblings have worked together to create an app to fill a void of something that did not exist which is connecting humans and healers and now they've done it i highly recommend it there is epic healers on there and it is such a beautiful platform, so I advise you to check it out and download it immediately. You can also follow them on Instagram at GetGuella and check out their website at getGuella.com. Are you looking for kind, compassionate, and mindful medicine? I am so excited to share with you about SourcePoint Wellness. SourcePoint Wellness is an integrative healing oasis located in Los Angeles that combines Chinese functional and spiritual medicine along with a bit of magic. Dr. Amanda and her team of experts offer virtual healing services to anybody in the world, including integrative telemedicine, herbal medicine, distance acupuncture and Reiki, goddess acupuncture, Akashic readings, chakra balancing, healing energy work, EFT, and customized breathwork. Literally everything and anything you need to be fully supported, mind, body, and spirit, Dr. Amanda and her team at SourcePoint Wellness has got you covered. Follow them on Instagram at SourcePoint Wellness or email Dr. Amanda directly at Dr. Cohen at sourcepointwellness.com. The vibe I get from looking at your work is that being an advocate from day one has been very important. And yeah, it's something sure. that you put in place from day one. Um, but I'm just super, super excited about this. I love, um, I think it's interesting, you know, people separating, you know, like, mm-hmm being a business and um, you know, being a good person or like your spirituality or whatever it is that's important to you and, I'm already recording. Like, it's okay if I just record? I just like, yes, absolutely. I'm you know, very absolutely. like conversational, office. <laughs> like, it's not like do I like contradict myself. I like, you know, <laughs> I, I can't pronounce things. Like, it's, it's not like
0: straight back and forth and yeah, no. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah
1: no. I, I like to think of this as like our friends are like right here with us and they're like, hey, thing, hey, yeah. hey, I want to say something. <laughs> um, but you and I were talking just a few minutes ago, like, and this is just my personal belief. I feel like it's trendy to a certain level for entrepreneurs um, to publicize how they give back all the time. And that is really important and it's good. And it's like, I I think that's great. But I'm also thinking the layers underneath. (laughs) How is somebody really setting up their business to not only thrive for themselves, but right. also take other people along with them. And That's right. I've always said, like, I feel like the, and I mean, other people have said it too, so it's not like it's my own words, but like, <laughs> you know, the more successful you are, you have more of a responsibility to give back, right?
0: Yeah. I think and, it's, um, the way I would equate it to is if you think about, um, giving back as a track meet and and you are getting in the blocks. That's the, um, that's the default, right? To run the race, you have to go on the blocks. You got to start on the start line, right? That's what I see companies who are now putting out statements of solidarity, claiming that they're giving back and things like that. Um, I try to be positive and encourage that, but help people understand that that's the default. Companies who do that, you don't get special treatment for that. You start getting special treatment when you protect your Black employees. You get special treatment when HR is there to protect the employees and not the institution of the company. Um, You get a reward when those things are happening, when you have diverse leadership. Um, So that's kind of how I see it. I encourage it. Um, But I also like to say that that's the default. You don't get a hand clap for that. Um, And I think a lot of the things that have been going viral in the last couple of days as it pertains to show us the receipts, right? Show us a picture of your leadership team, things like that. I think that's really, really important. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting because it's like, um, I just think that, you know, to go also go back to those that many that are listening. Right. I feel like a lot of my listeners, um, have small businesses. They're all entrepreneurs in their own, right. Whatever it is, uh, the, the focuses of that. Um, I think something that could be, I don't want to say intimidating, but like overwhelming for new business owners is the idea of, Hey, I'm just trying to get started. Like I'm trying to make, I'm just trying to make ends meet. I'm just trying to like, like survive myself. Like how can how would you advise somebody who's starting a new business yeah. to from ground zero, from the very start to really begin to implement the uh, implement being an advocate and living that within their business from the beginning?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And a lot of what I would suggest is for people to make it personal. So I think a lot of times people think that Oh, you know, we're just a company. We can't change the world, right? But you're not necessarily trying to change the world. You're trying to find a parallel um, and something that is authentic to your brand or to you as an individual. So I would ask them questions about their life, right? Where did you grow up, right? Tell me about your parents, about your family. Um, Are they still alive now? What issues were you dealing with growing up? What issues have you been growing up um, dealing with as an adult? right? So as you start getting into those kinds of questions and really understanding someone's heart, then you can understand, okay, well, you have through your business, an ability to either advocate, educate, fundraise um, for that cause that you really care about. Or it doesn't even have to be outside facing, focus internally. So as an entrepreneur, what do you want to stand for? And what do you want your business to stand for from a moral perspective? And make sure that when you start hiring, you make sure you implement those things from day one. So it's not when you get to 100 employees, that's when everyone starts saying, oh, HR team, we need to have a diversity and inclusion plan. That's what happens. We wait till there's 70 people, 80 people. No, you start at day one and you build that foundation and you leverage that as part of your brand story, right? Um, And I guarantee any company um, will get an additional lift in brand equity against their competitors doing that from day one, because now what's happening, as we've seen, all these companies are coming out and saying, we support you black lives. Right. And it's infuriating for me personally. Um, I've had to, as you've seen, i left corporate America specifically for this reason. I had a, um, you know, 60 plus year old gentleman scream and berate me and curse at me in front of my team for me just sticking up for a female employee who felt unsafe around this person. Um, And while people don't necessarily see that as a race issue, it can be a lot of times because why is this gentleman screaming at me and cursing at me when he wouldn't do that to anybody else in that company? He wouldn't do that to a white woman. And then on top of it, because he's brought in by the board of directors, right? the company does nothing and I'm forced to leave because I feel uncomfortable working for him right? So these are the things that are happening at every company. um, But they, unless you nip it in the butt from day one, um, and it's part of your infrastructure and how you build the business, these things are going to happen as you scale.
1: Well, I think it's something uh, connecting back to your experience. um, There is, and what uh, a couple of my other friends I've been talking to about this is okay, everybody's having this conversation now, like really having this conversation. But it's like, this almost of uh, being a black man or woman or black trans right now. It's like, everybody's like suddenly really listening to the yeah. thing that you have had to be, just get used to it. You know, you mm-hmm. just get used to it. You just get used to it. So now there's, everybody's listening. Everybody is Doing their best, I believe, to listen yeah. and really transform, not necessarily change, but transform things. Right. So something that I'm my okay, so what's my point? My point is within that, I have to imagine that the the shock of of holding your your feelings and all these things that mm-hmm. for a whole lifetime has Absolutely. been like you're just expected to just take it. And right. now people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe blah, 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 blah. And then it's like the whole, like, I think the giving, what is my point? My point is I feel a lot of white business owners, I think are going to have to really be patient and graceful for yeah. those that are black that are integrating what is happening. Cause I feel like it's so traumatic of even your own experiences within your own life yeah. of all that because it's like you get to the point where it's like you're used to it you're used to it, you're used to it you're you know you know you're integrating all these terrible things that are just like expected for you to just take it yeah. and then now all of a sudden everybody gives a shit and it's like you're now expected to like be open and have the conversation fix everything yeah and, and so and, and, it's, it's
0: funny my experience over the last couple of days it's been like on half it and I've had conversations with some of my best friends and we're like man look at all these white people who are supporting us. Like, this feels amazing. You log on social media and you see people, you know, in solidarity. And that does something to your heart, right? It really helps elevate it. But at the same time, you have the people asking about Black-on-Black crime and things like that that have nothing to do with anything. And um, so on one end, it's been really, really good. But on the other end, it's kind of maddening, right? So imagine if for your whole life, 35 years, you've been saying to people, the sky is blue. Look, the sky is blue, guys. You see a blue sky, and everyone's like, "No, all skies matter." You know, like whatever. <laughs> they just ignore you, or, you know, whatnot. And then now, all of a sudden, people are like, "I didn't know how bad it was until now." Oh my god, you know, it's kind of maddening because you think, "Wait, were you just not listening to me this whole time?" You know, and it's cool to see that, like, you know, I'll make posts now, um, in this moment. You know, you're getting hundreds of likes and things like that. But I've been saying these things for years you know, go down my timeline, you get two likes at a time, right? So, and it's not about the like, it's about listening, right? It's about people just scrolling through, ignoring up, okay, goes, another black guy complaining about racism. But now people are listening. And so it's kind of been maddening, because um on one end, obviously, I'm doing my, my part to educate, um and things like that. But it can also be maddening to have to speak for the whole race and everyone coming to you with their white, you know, white guilt and stuff like that, like, fix it now, you know, so, Um, It's very positive, but, you know, it's, it's, you got to be honest with the other side
1: of it. It's it's interesting, because I I mean, I definitely feel, um, you know, this is just my personal opinion. I feel like it's the responsibility of white people to have the conversations with other white people. Um, And it's interesting, because the last episode I posted about anti-racism for beginners, you know, like going through, like, really from all these different, um, you know, black, indigenous people of colors, explanations and research and, um, writings about, um, you you know, that's really mirroring a lot of people that are associating themselves that I'm a bad, like, I I'm a good person. I can't be racist, you know, and really looking at that and how it's been so ingrained in the collective, um, being that they're (laughs) just, Unconscious to it, so yeah. I think that um, it, it's it's really interesting because it's like just from my background. So it's like you know I have this podcast, I'm a spiritual advisor, you know I do all that fun magical spiritual stuff, <laughs> but also for the last 15 years I've been a commercial photographer and
2: director, okay.
1: and I've had this conversation with other friends, like you know just even from like a talent you know, as far as in front of the camera, mm,
2: yeah.
1: like it's interesting with brands. It's like, especially the last two years, I found it really like, oh, diversity and, diversity. <laughs> and it's like, but still like, I feel like, you know, the diversity really isn't represented. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like um, what you talked about as far as like brands, like after like 70 plus people being like, oh, we need to have you know, our black <laughs> yeah. representation here, you know? So that's something I've been really noticing. And then it's just interesting, I think, with like brands in general, um, you know, even with uh, wanting to bring more diversity into the work that they're doing. Because it's like, it's like, at what point is it matter or not matter if it feels superficial? Do you yeah, know what absolutely. I mean? So it's like,
2: yeah,
1: that's something I think about a lot. So for example, like even for jobs, they're like, you know, I've been asked like, you know uh they're like, oh, we like to like I'm half middle eastern half white you know okay. like like oh, that's great, diversity're yeah. <laughs>
2: um
1: what's your sexual prep like they're like wanting to know like all these things and it's yeah. and it's interesting because it's like I just not ballet thing I, I, I guess so i just i I just <laughs> definitely think a lot about you know and I'm using that as an example of you know even if it feels superficial at first for Brands and companies mm-hmm. to say that, oh, inclusion, diversity, and they're doing mm-hmm. that to like have their moral checkbox for, you know, externally. Mm-hmm. I'm just like thinking about that based upon what we're talking about, the dynamics behind the scenes, right. talk, ground up in building that up. So, yeah, I think we, it's,
0: um, I think it's important to, I guess, encourage brands that we see who are in those positions yet also kind of i'll just use the word call them out um and give you know expect more from them so okay great you guys are doing this first part but what about x y and z um so yeah i just think it's really important for for us in this moment to, to do our best not to come off and it's not for the perspective of you know because i think a lot of people would say things like hey you don't have to tone yourself tone town tone down your blackness to you know, X, Y, and Z, right? But this has got nothing to do with that. This is just my approach to things. I don't want to shame people. I don't want to, I want to encourage people, but I'm also not going to, you know, um, how do I put it? I'm not going to be naive at the same time to think that all companies who are saying something are legitimately working on this day to day. But once again, I'll take, you know, I'll take fake solidarity for the sake of the message being out there in the right way, than to say, oh, you're not 100 And 10% authentic, so we don't want to hear from you.
2: You Well,
1: I I think it's also interesting. So something I've been talking about with my white friends right now that have been like really passionate about um, everybody taking massive action right now and going all in on all of it, which is great. My conversation with that is that is great, but really long term. Like, how is that not that you're just like, this is the hot topic for the next two weeks. You're going to like watch all these black movies, (laughs) black authors, black, 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 black. And then after that, be like, okay, what's, you know, like, it's It's like, that's what I'm thinking. That's my perspective. So I look at it for like a marathon as far as, you know, how are you going to consistently educate yourself, consistently integrate, consistently implement this. Mm -hmm. So it is a long-standing transformed thing, not this one. Right. And then you saw something else shiny. Absolutely,
0: know? and I think, and I think that's personally why I took the approach of meddling minds, um, where I'm less concerned about individuals. Right? Um, I, honestly, like I, if there are going to be racist people in the world, that's great. Wear a T-shirt. Let me know who you are. That's great. Um, but I was trying to think about this from a systematic perspective. And what can I do to break down the systems versus arguing with individuals about whether they're racist or ignorant or not? So what I looked at was, and it felt very simple to me, right? Capitalism runs this country, right? Um, Corporations and the powers that lobby for politics are really, really powerful in this country. So if we're able to tap into that where the money is, right? you think about Robin Hood, I always think about this, Robin Hood, right? Still from the rich, the rich are brands, the rich are corporations, and we leverage what they're doing and their universe and the power of their voice as a brand um, to advocate and educate or make an actual impact in the community. um and so that's what I see as my purpose in life, bringing together. Uh, my marketing skill set, um, I was a journalism and sociology major in college. So bringing together, it's, it's a ch- essentially a combination of all three of those things, marketing, sociology, and journalism, into one package of Meddling Minds um, and finding. And part of the reason why we work mainly with startups is because if Coca-Cola came to me today and said, hey, we want you to run this, blah, 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 I would probably say no, Right. Cause I can't make real change at Coca-Cola. I don't believe there's too many people across the world unless they are already doing those things. And it's harder to do due diligence, right? So, you know, companies can seem like they're going in the right path, but you know, I don't want to put myself in a situation where, you know, they're using sweatshops or they're doing something that I can't control and I'm doing their marketing. So I really try and focus on startups and nonprofits where Um, With the startup, I can get to know the team, the owners, find out what they're truly about, and then decide if I want to work with them. Um, So it's a very unique agency model where it's like, we're not for everybody. (laughs) We're really not.
1: So for, so with your agency and with the clients that you work with, how do you have that conversation with them? You know, as far as like what their purpose is outside of, you know, what we were talking about a few minutes ago, as far as like what's in their heart space, like, how are you uh, like keeping that in the forefront as far as mm-hmm. the work that they're doing and that they're doing the good work while right. supporting them to make that work happen?
0: That's right. So a lot of what we do is focus on how to leverage content marketing and digital and media um, to be a thought leader, not just in your industry space, but within the place where you're advocating. So for example, I've worked at a company where we hosted a conference every year for our industry and then, you know, the whole industry came into Atlanta. So what I did was I made it into an, it kept the industry event, but made it a fundraiser at the same time. So we partnered with a local nonprofit organization, um, ticket sales went to that, the company didn't make a cent of the conference all the money went to charity and then we also got our partners this was a food industry event so we got everybody coming to the event to donate food product to this nonprofit partner and so every year this conference is now has this cause piece related to it and that's just one example of a campaign that i did with that client to tie in almost everything they're doing through marketing to cause education um or volunteering and then we also do um, like HR training, um, so we'll come in and um, we'll you know we'll meet with the HR team, see what's going on there in regards to um, calls and advocacy and learning about their employees and what they're currently doing, and then just do some training. Even things like um, how to support your um, Black employees after one of these major deaths happen. Right? Um, I've worked at some really high-growth big companies here in Atlanta. Um, and when these things happen, they actually affect me to the point where I cannot work. Right. And I want, I need a day off. I need some time, you know, but a lot of times there's no recourse for that. So, um, there's little things like that, that companies can do. Um, there's big programs from an HR perspective that companies can also. Um, but I think as marketing leaders, um, we're responsible for our marketing budgets and we have to just be a little bit more crazy. I mean, a little bit more um, creative about how we spend those dollars and where we're, how we're aligning um, with the community.
1: Did you see, I love that so much. Um, did you see, you know, when we're talking about like, show us your receipts, did you yeah. see the, the post with like Ben and Jerry's?
0: Yes, I did. And they've always been consistent, which is nice.
1: I love that. Um, is, like if they came to you, would you work with them?
0: Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, big, you know, large brands that have a history um, of this kind of work and speaking out, absolutely. You know, the Nikes of the world, like you said, Ben & Jerry's is typically the first one I come with. Um, Whole Foods, I think um, they're pretty good. Um, the Whole Foods, uh, one of the Whole Foods co-founders is one of my biggest inspirations through his book, Conscious Capitalism. Uh Um, I would encourage anybody who um, hasn't heard of that or hasn't read that to pick it up. It basically just talks about how companies can establish themselves from the ground up throughout leadership, HR, all departments um, to be a more conscious company and focus on all stakeholders being employees, your community, and the environment, um, as well as the board of directors. And as we know in America, the board of directors controls every single thing. Um, even if it conflicts with those other set of stakeholders that are just as important for companies' long-term growth, um, that's not how things run in America anymore. They used to you be, you know, in the 20s and the 30s, um, you know, this was a really big deal. But um, since I think the 50s or the 60s, it's really turned on its head. So what I'm trying to do is just leverage my personal brand um, as well as my business to help people understand that hey if you work for a company and there's problems there leave that's what i've done right you know i've left three really high paying high status jobs here in atlanta because i didn't like how i was treated or other the employees were being treated um and i have no qualms about just walking out the door um my moral code is more important than making money for other people right especially as a marketer um i I can see how much revenue I'm driving to the business every year, right? So I'm making 2 million, 3 million dollars for the business and you get nothing in return, right? You get treated in a certain way. So, um, that's kind of how
1: Well, and you get that's how I think. correlation of the work that you're putting in, you yeah. get to see the rewards of that. Yeah. Um, it, I think that's incredible. So we'll just do a quick shout out. Anybody listening at Whole Foods or Ben and Jerry's <laughs> that want to um, work with an amazing branding, marketing company, Medling Minds.
0: <laughs> We're listening. <laughs> Everybody's
1: listening. Um, I love that so much. Um, is there, some, with every, you know, we talked briefly about like everything that's going on. It's been, it's like all consuming. So how are you balancing that you know, to care for yourself along with keeping your business going and keeping things mm-hmm. moving forward. How are you doing that?
0: Um, I'm not technically, um, in the sense that I'm not doing a great job of taking care of myself. I've been having back spasms for the last few days and neck pains, the stress, and just kind of being tied up. Um, you know, certainly from a mental health perspective, it's been really exhausting. And I've been putting out a lot of posts trying to explain how mentally exhausting it is for people. Um, And as my business, I posted about this the other day. I don't care about profit, right? If Mending Minds as a brand, right? Because Mending Minds is an extension of me. It's who I am, right? So if I don't make a dime, but I'm influencing and I'm helping people out, that's fine, right? Um, My wife's got a job, we'll survive, right? But I don't want to, I'm not going to live a life where I'm just working for other people, making other people rich. Um, yet my humanity is still in question, right? My humanity is still not where everybody else's is. So why spend all my time making all this money, leaving it for my children if they're going to grow up in the same world and deal with the same things I've got to deal with? Um, So it's important for me to um, think about issues at the big picture and not get so caught up in the small details and who said this and whatnot. Uh, And I think my focus on getting corporations to be conscious and use their voice and use their dollars and use their people to make a change, that to me is what's going to drive the biggest change in America and not trying to convince, you know, 99% of white people not to be racist.
1: Boom. (laughs) Highlight (laughs) of the episode right there. I wish I had a mic. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, did, I did a really cheesy like jazz hands mic drop for you. Um, oh my gosh, I love that. Thank you. And I, I will follow up with you. I have somebody that can help you from afar with your back spasms.
2: Uh,
1: uh, yeah. Um, what advi- This came up for me while you were sharing your story. What advice would you have to that time, to that man, that black man, that time of your life where you were just taking it and you knew you were like scared to leave? Like, what advice would you have? Like, what would you tell the person that is, um, you know, it's like not, it, it, you know, you're, you're getting the support now, right? Everybody's Mm -hmm. like listening, but if you're a black man or woman or black trans and you're in a company and you feel trapped Mm
2: -hmm. and like,
1: you can't leave, like, and you feel like something is wrong, like what advice would you have for that person to take the next step? to living
0: right. the
1: way they should be. Living.
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, w- I would first question the assumption that they can't leave. Right? I know people say oh, I can't leave, I've got bills. I had bills. I had bills when I you know what I'm saying when I when I quit. Um, there is there are thousands, there's thousands of companies. Um, if you're a spiritual person, you also can understand that God is on your side and he's not going to let you be in a situation where you're being dehumanized or people are treating you a certain way and he's just going to kind of abandon you and not take care of you. Right. I don't believe that personally. Um, So I always just put my faith in God to say, look, God, I know this is not the right environment for me. You don't want me to be treated like this. I'm going to leave. And I put it in your hands uh, to find me another job. And every time I've left the company because I didn't like what they were doing, I've gotten a job within a month or two months. That's even better than the last one. And on top of that, the influence that I have over my coworkers who are still there is unbelievable. The kind of outreach I've gotten from the people at my company has been like, man, I just, I love how brave you are. I've got your back. You know, it's really made me think about what's going on here. And then the next thing you know, you know, five or six other people have left, right? And not that they left because of you, but. They, they start, they, it opens their eyes. They kind of start to see what's around them. Maybe it's a good way to say they get woke, right? By me kind of, because I think sometimes um, being a leader means walking away. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's just kind of how I've dealt with it. So once again, I think the advice would be, can reconsider whether you can leave or not. I believe you truly can. Um, for somebody who can't, um, I think this, the next biggest thing is to get with your colleagues and sp- speak to them one on one and see what they might be able to do to influence others around them and the leadership, especially if those allies are white and can speak to that. Um, that's helped me in the past getting people together. And um, so that's another thing. Unfortunately, you know, the common advice is go to HR right? That's what you always say in these situations. I don't think that's a good idea. HR has never been helpful to me. Um, To me, HR, you know, HR people care about people, right? So I want to make that clear, but HR departments are there to serve the institution and the company, not individual people, um, especially when you then have interference from the board of directors who, who supersede what HR wants to do and things like that. So I do think, a, leave, right? This isn't 1960 when you're dinged on your resume for, you know, jumping jobs. You know, I've never stayed at a job more than two years and it hasn't hurt my career. Um, so that's, that's really what I would encourage. Um, and though when you leave, do not leave without speaking to the senior executives. So every time I've left the company, I've ensured a meeting with the CEO to be very, very clear and direct about why I'm leaving what they need to do to fix it. Um, And I think that that has been helpful a lot. And I've seen a couple of companies actually make some changes after that has happened. Um, So if you are leaving, definitely, definitely talk to the CEOs. Don't leave quietly, you know, leave with class, but let them know why and what they can do to fix it.
1: I think that's a really, I think that last piece is such a helpful, um, important tip because it's, you know, you, taking action, but also like using your voice as you're sure. leaving to make it very clear what has been going on um so okay, so I just want to do a little game so let's future let's let's just future hop like five years okay. from now in five years from now what where are you at with your business, what is going on, and what do you feel is your challenge in five years from now
0: okay, good question so. In five years from now, um, I would love to have established um, a community. Um, so basically, it's a community of meddlers, right? Hence meddling minds, meddlers. And the point of that is to encourage people to meddle, to interfere, to look at what's going on around them in their companies, in their communities and say, that's not right. I want to research, find out what's going on and call it out. Right? We need more people meddling in general, One of the things I've realized, I personally noticed. I grew up in the UK, and when I moved here and seeing, it feels like people are very politically worried about themselves, right? So, I care about things that impact me and my family, and that's it. But I want to encourage people to do more than that, right? To, to interfere, like I said, to meddle, to get involved in what's going on. Um, So that's why I want to build out this community um, to get like-minded people together to really be doing this. Kind of almost um, investigative journalism, but in their own little worlds. Uh, so that's definitely something I would love to have established by then. Um, also, I'm looking to establish a foundation. Um, currently, you know, we're a pro- for-profit business, um, but I have eyes on that um, as well as a media um, collective. So, like a media channel um, to be able to help advocate for all these different issues um, with calls to action for people to get involved. Um, so those are the three big things that I really want to get off the ground and, and you know, hit by that five-year mark, really have it established and running. Um, from a client perspective, one client at a time. I, I, I truly don't care about that part of the business so much. I really care about the brand. So I've been telling people that, I may not have, you know, many clients for the next two, three years. So that's okay. Right. I want to build the brand. I want people to understand what we stand for. And I think that's more important. The clients will come. Like you, you build a company like that. There's no way clients aren't going to come and say, we want to work with you guys. So I'm worried. I'm concerned about the brand part. Um, and I think the rest of it will take care of itself.
1: Well, I love that. And so it is like <laughs> all this or something even better. always say, um, is there something you wish somebody would ask you, like in business from a client perspective? Just personally, is there anything that you're like? I wish somebody would ask me this, or is, ask me this question about my journey, or is there something that you know, like people just don't get about your journey? And I just, I just attacked you with like a few
2: questions. <laughs> I get excited. No,
0: it's good. I like the questions where I have to actually sit back and think about. Um, the answer um, honestly I, I don't know if there I could say that there's something that I wish people would have asked me I would just say that I wish people had listened right because I, I I'm one of those people who I say what I mean you know I say what's on my mind I'm very respectful and honest with my opinions um, so yeah so it's less about that I just wish that people had listened to me when I was telling them what was happening and how it was affecting me and how it was affecting teammates. Um, even simple things like, you know, I would, um, I would fight for females, um, in my office where, you know, we're in a board meeting, there's 10 of us, um, nine men, one male, we're all directors and VPs. And, you know, Mr. CEO asked the only woman in the room to take notes. Right. And I put up my hand and said, no, I'll I'll take notes. Right. So that's the, you know, that's the kind of thing that um, I just wish people were attuned to. And then when you bring it up to them and say, hey, by the way, you, sh- you probably should like rethink who you, you know, because it could come across and they don't listen to you. That's what I wish.
1: I love that you share that because it goes back to deep listening and it goes back to what you mentioned about, you know. Um, in the U.S., A lot of the focus is on me, myself, and I. Yeah. And that really makes sense that it's connected, you know, with not listening. People being so concerned with themselves not listening. Um, I mean, you know, when I grew up in the Caribbean and I came to the U.S. for the first time, I I couldn't put my finger on it, but, like, I felt there was a difference. Like, I felt things were different. Like... You know, as far as just even um, things I thought I wanted changed a, a bit when I moved to the States. Like, yeah. you know, um, growing up on an island, it was like, oh, your brakes work on your car. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that it wasn't till I moved to the States that I was aware of, like, these things I'm supposed to want to want, you know. Yeah. And it's very it's- humbling, I think, for all of us, like, you know, and this does connect back to what we're talking about, is you can think you're a really good person, you can think you are meaning well, and it's really humbling when you see how collectively past systems, Mm -hmm. racial systems, belief systems have infiltrated the collective consciousness that directs the way you live your life.
0: Yeah, I mean, even simple things, I think we all know this, right? but the statistics that show you get two resumes that are exactly the same. One has an English, you know, British sounding name. One is Toyin Adonabelle. And the statistics that show, Toyin Adonabelle is getting passed up X number of times more than John Smith, right? I've had a great career, but think about how many companies did not call me back just because of my name. That's crazy.
1: I mean, I would have to, I mean, it just sounds like a, a, a royal character from you know, one of the Black Panther families. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's just, I think people just don't yeah. realize how the tiny, tiny things too affect racism or prejudice. Um, and all of those things are exacerbated inside corporations. Right? You, we think as a society, it's bad. When you put a bunch of people in a small box in an office, right? And in interviews, there's no questions about, what do you think about blah, 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 blah? diversity, right? There's no one talks about these kinds of things in interviews. So you're getting people in who are qualified, but they're also, um, I remember at one company, I was at tech company here, um, minority CEO, minority co-founder, but people were still using the Slack channels to make jokes about lynching. And it took me and four other employees basically knocking down and kicking down the door to get a meeting to talk about how that's not cool and how we need to take those things down. You know what I mean? So it's like these things happening in corporate America every day, not just massive companies, but small companies too. Um, And it's, and to be clear, it's not just white people, right? Um, I've had some of my Brown um, Indian friends calling out their own community um, as well for, You know, you have a gas station or you have a liquor store in the inner city, um, all Black customers, yet when you're at home, you'd never let your daughter marry a Black man or even bring him home to even consider it, right? Um, You would never, right? There's a lot of things that happen in other communities um, that also impact Black people um, as well in America. So um, I just thought that it's important to point that out, that it's not just, hey, white people, you're the only ones contributing to the problem, right?
1: (laughs) Well, and also, um, you know, I'm gonna be doing an episode with one of my other girlfriends I grew up with at the Caribbean, but we were talking, you know, uh, she's a public health expert and, you know, just when she's traveled in different, you know, countries and, you know, just culturally within Mm -hmm. different black communities within, you know, it's it's just, I think, and call me out if I'm wrong here, but I, th- I think to your point, too, is it's not just white communities, but also I think the focus is, is that everybody looks to America for how we are <laughs> responding to these things.
0: Yeah, we have, um, it's a shame that our reputation is really going downhill. Um, one of my best friends is a diplomat for the US, and he travels the world, Middle East, Asia, and for the last Ten last 10 years, we've been having conversations about how bad um, the reputation of the U.S. is. And then in the last two, three years, um, you know, there was some, I guess, how do I put it, worldwide jubilation and kind of celebration when Obama came into office because people realized that it's a big step for America, not because it was they knew anything about him. It was just like, wow, America's actually got a black president. That's crazy. That's huge right? Um, and it feels that we've now kind of gone backwards um, with rhetoric. And I think that's the big thing. I don't think we've necessarily gone backwards to say that America is more racist than it was five years ago. I don't believe that. Um, but I do believe the rhetoric has changed. Um, and with rhetoric, I mean, words are powerful, you know, so um, what do yeah, you, it is a shame.
1: it's something I've been thinking a lot about. And I'm curious to get your opinion. So with COVID, everybody's at home or, you know, uh, in some. so my personal belief, and I'm very curious to hear your point of view and call me out if you think I'm totally wrong here. I personally believe all of these things are really coming to a head because people are not caught up in the fight or flight, having to just go to work and being consumed sure. themselves. So they've been at home and now people are questioning things. First, with COVID, what's that all about? What does this mean? Leadership is bullshit. What is it? So I feel people are at home, like, able to detach from themselves having to make a living and do their day-to-day. So they're already within their own thoughts, right? Then you bring up something that is not new, (laughs) but it just has your attention. Yeah. And it's back-to-back events with racial injustice, and people are finally deeply like swing the curve of focus of like <laughs> covid's fucked up this, this is fucked up I, like <laughs> what like so i feel and i may get like reamed for saying this but i feel like this is all happening for good to like really deeply have everybody wake up
2: like Absolutely. wake
1: up what are the stories you've been told what are the lies that you've uh, used as an illusion for your day to day to feel good about just focusing on yourself. Yeah. Um so I think I, it's, yeah.
0: I think it's helped us come to a point where we're saying, what are our priorities as Americans? Right? Is healthcare a priority? Because we all know the CDC existed, but they've been losing funding for how many years straight? And I know this because my wife actually works for the CDC. So we've been losing funding for years, right? We see that, right? So I think I talked to a friend of mine the other day and said, thank God for COVID, because that's the only reason why people are listening to Black people right now. Like you said, everybody is detached from the go, 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 go. And everybody is still, everybody is watching. And then when you have three instances, three or four instances within two weeks um, relating to this, I mean, for me, Armand Arbery is still the biggest thing I'm struggling with. I live a couple of hours, two hours away from Brunswick or wherever it was he got shot for jogging you know um, I've had in my neighborhood where I live now um, I've been coming home from work and someone called the cops on me because they said I was casing the neighborhood that I live in and cops came banging down my door wondering what I was doing here in my own house because someone didn't recognize me and thought it was okay just to call the cops right so it's not like I think the police brutality thing is one thing, right? Because that's obviously really, really bad. And um, my dad's an ex-cop, so I have a lot. I have a really great vantage point about this policing issue. Um, Real quick, you know, my dad's police training in the UK was nine months minimum. I mean, he wasn't at home for months at a time in training university for the police force. Meanwhile, here, we have this low-paying job that pretty much just anyone can get. No wonder we have people in the force who act that way because they're not, a, they're not educated, they're not trained properly. So That's one thing we got to fix from a police reform perspective. It's all about kind of their training um, and ongoing training and stuff like that. Um, but on the other side of the issue is I'm more scared of just random civilians than I am the police. Because they're the ones who are either, they're the ones who are going to call the cops on me, right? They're they're the reason that these things then happen. Um, So yeah, yeah, it's just interesting that one is kind of more concerned, at least personally, about citizens and them calling the cops on me than, you know, the policing part itself. Because at least that, I can see a very tangible solution. But the other part of it, I don't necessarily know how you can change people's minds and you know, have them alleviate the fear that they have of any black person in that space.
1: Well, I I think for me the the thank you for sharing that, and I'm I'm so sorry that that happened to you. That I I'm I, and this is a reflection of my own white privilege because my opinion, like I grew up on a Caribbean island, every, it was all black. Like I'm yeah. not scared of black people at all.
2: <laughs> right.
1: So my own, I I guess and maybe I'm, you know, I'm going to risk maybe saying the wrong thing, but like, I feel like, you know, it's like, I, I'm very comfortable with black people. I grew up with black people yeah. I'm on an island. I moved to the States. I don't think of anything else because I'm just used to black people, you know, I'm yeah. just used, you know? So for me, my own reflection of like, holy mother, like of seeing these reactions that other people have towards black yeah. people. I think for me, that's been my own deep, awareness of white, pro- of like, I, I, yeah, I, I don't I know if I could call that part white, pro- I'm not sure, I just, I'm not, it's something I don't think about, cause I'm just like, I'm not, not thinking like, <laughs> I, I, I think I've been naive to think that, um, you know, that other people think like me, you know? Right, or, it's, it's a
0: unique experience for you where you actually grew up around black people outside of America, and versus people who grew up in America and say things like, I don't see color, right? Um, I think from your perspective, it's that's not what you are saying. Um, but I just I just find that dynamic interesting when people say I don't see color because I don't really know what that means. Um but yeah, I well, think Well, it's
1: interesting talking about what's seeing color and we can talk about this. It's because when I grew up in St. Thomas, it was black. It wasn't saying African American. And then right, I yeah. to the States and it was like rude to say black, but then like saying <laughs> saying African American. but all my black friends are, like, but I'm not African-American. African American. Right, exactly. African, like these, uh, so that even that discuss that's very interesting to me. Um, in you know, a, a saying um, you know like. Like I don't see color African American. I'm like, but they're not like African American. Like they're from another. So I that... am
0: actually African American because I'm Nigerian. I was born in America. So I'm African American.
1: You're like, no, <laughs> actually I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's been um for me with this whole experience, that's been the most deeply um shocking a piece is is, you know, like when I saw the Amy Cooper video and like just like yeah. I'm like, you know but I also have a perspective of like when I came to the U S even though I'm white, I look at American white, a lot different.
2: Different, (laughs) Yeah,
1: Like it's, it's interesting. I just, I I think that's when I was like, Holy moly. I like, I I need to use this platform. I need to have more of these conversations because things that I'm thinking is like common sense, basic truth is not, is not reflected in the other people that look like me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm curious did you um and your family face any kind of discrimination when you guys lived in st thomas
1: um so it's interesting because i actually was talking about this with one of my girlfriends and i felt very <laughs> sense it, it's just very funny you asked me that because i i was talking with one of my girlfriends actually this morning this is really funny um and we were talking about doing an episode together and we were like oh i should not talk about my like like we should talk <laughs> about that because that could really get misconstrued by some yeah. people. But, um, I would say yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Y- yeah.
0: Uh, and I asked because of my sociology background, right. I understand that, um, race issues are, um, based on where you're located, right. From a geography perspective, really impact how these conversations happen. Um, and who is actually on the other end of, prejudicial thinking and um institutional type of um unfairness I guess um so I can imagine that happening um you know maybe in a micro way I I can't imagine what that would
1: be I think it was there it was more of like anybody that's white that's there is normally a tourist and so if I I would feel like uh sometimes this is just my experience my Mm -hmm. like nervous to share that I wasn't Tourists, sometimes, because then there would it, it's you know uh a lot of the white tourists that would visit i'd say are not the greatest yeah you know um whoever's listening don't hate on me you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> but it just i felt definitely like you know i okay I, if i'm really thinking about it i think i've seen the 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 pain that a lot of white people have caused and so I think, you know, um, in that environment, being a little bit on the defense of yeah. like, 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 you know, <laughs> um, and then it's interesting cause it's like, but then it's like my, my mom is Turkish. She moved to the States hmm. when she was five. My dad's Ukrainian. His parents, you know, moved to the U S right before he was born. So I'm like, yeah. so it's just, it's interesting. Um, But I do joke and like nobody hate on me for this. I've always joked with some of my my black girlfriends and stuff. Like I'm like, I know I'm white, but like I don't feel like I'm white. But I I don't know. Um, And so that's why.
0: But just saying that real quick, I think that's an interesting thing to kind of hone in on. Right. Something somewhere where a white person feels almost like they don't want to be associated with white because of what white people are doing it's almost like oh, i don't want to be put in the box with them because i know what they're doing, right so even you of course you're like oh, i'm so aware of what white people are doing in america and i don't even want to be part of that as a whole of course not individuals yeah
1: no no uh, but that's true like even i mean it was just like little truth bombs here like even when i travel to other countries, I like will purposely, I know I'm very loud and gregarious and I'm like, I will purposely not want it to be known that I'm American. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's, it, and it feels very like a defense at times of like, Oh, I'm half Turkish, half Ukrainian. I, I grew up on Caribbean <laughs> islands. Like, please don't count me in. Give with the, pass. Don't count me in with the sheep. Like, like I, it's just, it's interesting, but I have to say like, you know, even on, from my perspective where I'm thinking I'm so open and all this, right. If, if it's, you know, even with this podcast, right. I have like all these people I want to interview. Right. And it's all different, you know, races and genders and stuff, but it's been, I had, um, consistently recently, like had a lot of white Mm back-to-back guests and it's, it's interesting. Cause I was like, even though I know in my heart, my intention is have, you know, all different colors. I haven't actually taken the action of having that implemented now
2: right. to
1: show those. That, so it's like really like calling myself out in that. And so I was like, shit, like, um, <laughs> shit. Like, so, you know, I'm wanting to, you know, I've, you know, I haven't had, you know, um, a black a guest on my show for the last six episodes and so I'm like wanting to really honor and like having the next six episode have um, <laughs> black guests, and then I will alternate always.
0: Right, right. So right. and
1: so that was something that's important to me and that's something I'm looking at for the long term. So you know we were talking right. about a long trip. So it's not that just I'm like, "Hey, it's black voices month."
2: month. Yeah. You know?
1: And then it's going to be, you know, like white right after that it's uh, really like no holding myself accountable is like okay you need to like like actually take action on what you say you believe yeah. and keep that going um so that's something i'm feeling very passionate about but it's interesting we we just you we brought up about the island because it's like it's so it's just so funny because i literally was talking to my one of my girlfriends this morning she's like i think we should avoid that um right. you know with everything you know uh Because I really want to focus in on, you know, a black brothers and sisters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting, too, because one observation I make about different podcasts and, um, like, you know, YouTube things that I see specifically, I guess, tied um, over the last couple of years, it's been I've seen a lot of, like, women's empowerment coaches online and all of this stuff. And it's very, very white, right? Um, In the sense that, um, you know, between guests and, right, you know, they create these community group type things and it's, you know, 30 white women or, you know, and I always think to myself, like, God, I wish those, you know, I wonder why there's not more diversity in those groups, but I also sometimes understand that, well, you know who you know. So if you were kind of, if you were growing up in the burbs of, let's say, Marietta, Georgia and, you know, 85 to 90% of the people that are white, that's kind of going to be your network. And so when you're doing something like this and then you're, uh, let's say, doing a podcast and whatnot, when you start it out, you're going to reach out to the people that are closest to you just to get done. But once we, like we talked about, accountability. So beyond that, right, if there's nowhere in your mind to kind of fix that or think about it, then that's kind of where the problem goes. Um, So I think it's a little bit of a fine line there, right, between, you know, oh, I've had 10 straight white guests in a row. Well, that's okay, right? As long as you care, or maybe you're you're talking about some of the issues that affect the community, that's, you know, I think that's, I think that's valid. So, um, yeah, I I just was thinking about that as you were talking about your No, I agree, And that's been
1: something I I talked about in my last episode is, you know, I'm very, something that's really affected me that I feel very passionate about is who are the leaders? Who are the teachers that are Mm. actually speaking? Even yeah. if they're saying the wrong thing, I think this is like we have to have grace with ourselves, with like, sure. you know, um, but I, I'm definitely, I mean, I will just speak for myself. I'm losing a, a lot of respect for those leaders who are not, who, monetize off of being like front and center, you know, I'm not talking about those that, you know, like are online cause they have to, but they don't really, you know what I mean? Those that are yeah. like, they make everything off of this face mm-hmm. forward that they're yeah. not talking about it um, or being delayed or feeling like pressured, like by people, like that's something I've definitely been seeing and taking deep note of. Yeah. And, you know, like, um, uh, feeling like that's unacceptable to me. What do you
0: what do you feel about companies that are not currently making well, I say less companies but what would you think about people, brands that are not currently saying anything? Do you think it's all bad to not say something or um like how, what's your feeling I on think that? that's
1: interesting because it's like there's two sides. So it's like one it's like people are being sci- you know, a sign it's like you're shamed if you do or you don't on a certain level. So it's like you you stay silent and you, you will be shamed for not speaking out. You speak yeah. out, you're going to get shamed by half of your audience for not saying the right thing. Um, you know, um, what do I think about that? I think, I think for my own perspective in seeing how my own awareness of like, oh my gosh, I I can see like just this last week how I've impacted other people to help um, transform the way they thought before. That deep awareness, because I honestly didn't have that before starting the podcast. Like I have this podcast, I love to share stories, I love to connect people. I'm very much like I want people to be able to like choose for themselves. Like (laughs) hear this information and take the tools that work for you and choose, choose for yourself. So I think for me, like I felt this last week, you know, um, after seeing things I was sharing and feedback, I was getting that like, I actually am impacting people, I'm seeing firsthand. I felt um, very much like a sense of urgency, deep responsibility. And so it's not fair of me to project this on others, but I have projected this idea of, if you have that large platform, if you have this large audience, and you know on a deep core soul level that these people take what you have to say to heart, How could you not, and you
0: you sell
1: yourself as being vulnerable and authentic. It's like, how could you not say this? Like, you know, or even how could you not say something? How could you not use your voice? Like, you know, use your tools. Like, I definitely feel like so many people, and this is something that goes hand in hand with my belief of like the long game, right? Right. Yeah. Take, I'm not somebody I'm hypersensitive whatever I just posted like don't blame being an empath I calling myself that <laughs> I am not somebody that I can't handle going out in the streets and actually protesting like physically yeah. like mm. I'm not that's not where I'm gonna actually feel like I'm being of service yeah how can I be of service is like this podcast I'm you both. know through the business like the, like that's what I'm looking at for mm-hmm. myself
2: Absolutely. so
1: I think it's also you know maybe this is wrong but like owning whatever your thing is that you have that you can use to be of service for this change, yeah. not really forcing yourself to do it. But I definitely, okay, I totally rambled at you. You're like no, hello, that my good. guest, <laughs> and it's like yeah, thanks, for my woman, rambling on forever. Um, but no, I, I mean, I,
0: I think that um, I think my advice to me to people has been one. Um, specifically, there's an influence on EIG, you know, millions of followers and. Um, she started talking about don't know what to say this and the other, but not knowing what to say, it's not like, that you know she was just struggling with things. And I messaged her and I just said, "Keep it simple. All you have to say is I support you." Literally, that's it. Black people are not expecting this long thing or anything, right? Companies are really tr- struggling with that. I have three text messages and I'm still trying to answer where people have said, "Hey, our company wants us to make a statement. Can you help us? Or can you look at this? Or can you blah blah blah?" I'm like, no, I can't. Just say what your truth is. If your truth is we haven't taken this seriously enough in the past and we are going to do that moving forward, that's great, that's all you've got to say. So I would encourage folks to A, just keep it really simple. Um, I would also encourage people to um, be okay with making mistakes, right? So if you say the wrong thing, I have a friend, she is one of these influencers, you know, once again, thousands upon thousands of followers, and I think she used the word um, colored people when she was in her IG trying to, you know, talk about what was going on. And because she was on a TV show that has that went huge. Right. Everyone's coming down on her. Her castmates are going at her, you know, all this stuff. And I reached out to her um, and just said, look, I know you've made a mistake. I, I know it sounds like the world is coming after you, but I'm willing to talk to you, help you out. Um, but at the same time, it's, you can't just, you can't be scared of that and then not do anything, right? It's braver to make a mistake than not to say anything at all because you don't know what to say. Um, so I would say, keep it simple, be brave. Even if you get it wrong, that's okay, you know?
1: Well, and also to invite the idea of, it's worth you being a little uncomfortable to save a black life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I think that's the thing that it's like everybody is sh- so scared to have uncomfortable conversations. And I think what's happening too, going back with like what we're talking about with like COVID and like, you know, like yeah. everybody's about to pop and seeing these things. I personally believe on an energetic level, like at, we're purging out all the things mm-hmm. that no longer work for us. So even though everybody's like, this isn't a new issue, it is getting purged out because yeah, we cannot come together in true unity as a human race Mm -hmm. until these injustices are acknowledged and transformed like
0: absolutely i think that's a big point acknowledgement is huge acknowledgement is if you can't have you know you can't have real redemption or uh move forward in unity without everybody going back and realizing what happened being educated um And, you know, I I don't necessarily know if, like, reparations are the answer, right? Um, But I do think there needs to be a strong acknowledgement from the country um, about what happened. And I wonder if there, I don't know, this just popped in my head, I wonder if there needs to be beyond Black History Month, right? It feels like there needs to be something else that a day or a week or something that we use to maybe bring people together in this new kind of reality and this new kind of effort to move forward in unity. Um, that might be something, but... Um, but don't
1: you think, too, like, seeing the news and seeing that all the states, like, 50 states and 18 countries came together? hmm Or, I mean, granted, it was out of, you know... Anger, frustration, and wanting to stand, stand up and speak out. Like, I mean, what other time? Never. In history. It's amazing. Has that ever happened?
0: I mean, I think the biggest thing is not just the protest, the, the couple of things that stick out to me are we've never seen these many police chiefs come out against what happened and stand in support, right? That's literally never happened at this scale. Um, We've also not seen people in New Zealand and all across the globe protesting on our behalf as well. So it's been, you know, all my Black friends have said the same thing, like this period of time has been really positive from a healing perspective for us in order to at least be like, okay, people are actually getting what we're going through. Um, It's maddening, it's annoying, but at least it's there. The police, you know, are starting to speak up. Not just the police chiefs, but chief and um, police officers on the ground. Um, so I think that's been really, really good to see. Um, so yeah, it, you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of positive in terms of what's going on. Um, the key is, like we've all talked about, it's about the long term. So let's say COVID, this whole COVID deal ends tomorrow. There's a cure. We're all, you know, we're free. Everyone, go back to your life. What's gonna happen then, right? Um, And so I think it's on us, the folks who are authentic and genuine on this topic to keep this going in the long term. I'm getting ready to post um, publicly my accountability. It's not enough for me to say, you, 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 right? I have to hold myself accountable because there's been periods of time in my life when I've gone away from that message um, around Black Lives Matter or all things like that because I'm exhausted. B, I know no one wants to hear it. I've heard people call me divisive in the past because of my posts and things like that. And I would actually let these things in combination get to me. Um, and I would be working in these issues on the background, hence meddling minds and what I'm doing. But publicly, I, would be, I wouldn't say anything because we, like we all know the angry black man, right? I say something, I'm perceived, but a white woman says something the same way. And it's like, oh, she's so insightful um so, you know things like that so i need to kind of stop being worried about my perception especially because i was in corporate america and you know i can't be riling up all these posts about black lives matter and things and then i go back to the office and you know it's awkward i would i was always worried about those kinds of things but now that i've divorced corporate um when was this uh, end of february and i'm you know doing my oh my gosh is that
2: now. new it's yeah I it's brand
0: know. new i oh started the con- I came up with the concept in um, 2009, but I, I just wanted to develop a certain level of, like, cachet and experience, you know, and industry knowledge and the network before I started my own agency. So, yeah, I've been working on it for 10 years, but I didn't actually launch until February, like, the 20-something. Actually, it was the day after Kobe Bryant died, um, and I was just like, you know what? Like he's, he's like one of my biggest inspirations as an athlete from a mentality perspective and as a father. Um, and when he passed away, it was right after the instance happened with my last job where I was kind of berated and stuff. And I just said, you know what? This is my time. This is happening for a reason. I was, you know, and so, yeah, it's brand new. It's all brand new. Oh my
2: gosh.
1: Like, again, my own, like, like when you were, okay, I have to be totally honest here. Like when you shared about your experience, I was literally like, oh, years ago. (laughs) You're like, no, Diana, at the beginning of this year. And then I'm so sorry. And congratulations. I, I mean, looking, I mean, obviously you, the work with your, business has been, you know, it's been incoming for years and years. But I mean, I didn't, the way that I view like the information you're putting out there, the way I viewed things on your site, like I just, it feels very like, Established for many years, <laughs> and so I was like, "Oh, you're sharing your experience with these like a holes in corporate America from years ago." And you're like, "No, actually, diane it was just a few months ago." Yeah,
0: I mean, a lot of the experience that I'm referring to, are the re- experiences where I was an employee.
2: Yes, yes.
0: And as an employee, I saw these things happening, and I was like, "You know what? I'm starting my own company because I can't keep making money for these people who are treating them." And outside of race, forget racism. Just how they're treating uh, employees, um, how they decide to fire people, the mechanisms and how they do that you're like this person has a family, right and this is how you how, this is how you're choosing to lay them off or whatever um, things with gender like i I mentioned an example earlier, things that would happen like that, um, different microaggressions, and then just the blatant racism type things right These are all my experiences as an employee that made me realize that corporate America is sick. Um, And how can we fix that? Um, And so that's all what led to Meddling Minds and me to say, you know what, I'm going to help create a new wave of companies and change the way companies operate um, through marketing, right? Um, And that's why I think Meddling Minds is a great name for that, because Marketing is not responsible for fixing companies right, or making them more conscious or making them do the right thing. But I think marketing is uniquely positioned because of our skill set, right? getting people's attention, storytelling. We are the best position to go into our company leadership, to knock on those doors and say, hey, we need to move in the right direction for the sake of the brand. Otherwise, this brand will fail in the long term. yeah so that's
1: That's amazing so where can people follow you where can they find out more where can startups reach out to you to see if they're (laughs) in alignment with you Mm because they listen and they're like this is this is the man that's gonna make it happen for me
0: yeah so you can uh, find me anywhere really at meddling mind Um, meddling mind on instagram um you can also just join a Donna Bell on Facebook. I do a lot of kind of thought leadership and stuff on those channels, or you can just go to meddlingminds.com. Um, at the bottom of the page I have, um, you can just set up an hour consultation with me. I do those free and I'll just, even if you don't leverage Meddling Minds as a client, I can actually help talk people through how to find their purpose and find alignment with calls and advocacy And I don't care if I get paid for that because guess what? The work happens, right? The community is helped. A a company is changed. That's what I mostly care about. Um, And once again, you know, you develop those relationships, you do the right thing. the business will come one day.
1: Yeah, but you should totally, like consulting, this is huge. Like the medicine you have for like these Mm -hmm. brands, if they're like, like let's say if it's a huge brand, okay, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you already do this, but if it's a huge brand and maybe you don't want to take them all on as like a new client, you know, for the long-term, but they want to bring you on as a consultant to help guide them, would you be doing that?
0: Yeah, I would consider to do that. I think that the brand would have to be right. Um, typically, I like to stay with um, brands and industries that I actually care about too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm really picky about. Could that be in the
1: questionnaire? Why should I care about your
2: company? <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my gosh, I, I totally know. see that. Like just this whole conversation. Like I obviously clients can work, you know, sign up, you know, work with you mm-hmm. as ongoing client. But I totally see you being like a powerful voice and um and like talking, like helping other big brands that maybe you wouldn't. Yeah, speaking want.
0: engagements speaking at engagement.
1: brands. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally see that. Uh, yeah, for sure, so no pressure, but i I feel like it's very, very it's look good. it's
0: it looks like someone gave you my business plan, and you're like looking at my <laughs> two year plan <laughs> <I peeked laughs> into some of the stuff that I'm planning oh you totally doing have
1: future. to be a speaker like and so <laughs> and you also have a podcast coming out,
0: yes, toying around that will be out soon, starting our first set of interviews in the next couple of weeks um but yeah, with, with what's been happening, you know, in the news, I've kind of taken a couple two, three week break from work, work, and just been focusing on, you know, putting out the content out there. Yeah. And (laughs) self-care.
1: I I feel like, and that was something you were mentioning earlier, just, um, and, and this, I'm coming from like a healer's perspective. It's like, I think when, you know, and again, we're talking about the long game, it's like self-care is so important. It's like, you know, you're so passionate about what you're doing and the cause and moving forward and being an impactful voice and leader, but yeah. it's like also like to, to take care of yourself, take care of your vessel, so like you can do all yeah. of the amazing, epic... I think
0: one of the things that I've learned too, and you hear this a lot in the Black community, on top of the fact that I'm African, and in an African community, it's even stronger, that whole mental health thing and you know you know just just pray about it right you know that's half the response you get um, it's you know we don't we don't do therapy you know this like that, that kind of mindset so that's something that I've had to get away from in the last 10 or five years and I'm only really now to be honest taking that part of it seriously and the link between my mental health and my physical health because when I think about this right a lot of I, I, get, I randomly get these back spasms, but my wife and I were talking about it. And she was like, no, all of these things. She was like, when you're stressed, this is what happens, right? Honestly, she, she, she knows better than me. And so it's really important that we do take care of our mental health. Um, we just did a webinar yesterday with Mental Health America of Georgia um, with one of my clients about mental health in the senior community specifically. But we did spend some time just generally talking about mental health based on what's happening in the world now. Um, and it does go from mental to physical. I've really learned that. And I need to really take care of myself in this moment because I am very passionate. Um, I like to stay in it as well. Um, you know, I don't like to be like, oh, I'm going to take a break. I like to stay in it. I like to stay in I like to stay kind of motivated. Um, I enjoy being able to place a chip on my shoulder to give me something to motivate. So with that being said, how my personality is, I certainly need to figure out the best way to work on my mental health.
1: What if, but, but for your like self-care and stuff to be able to rest and do the things that feel good, like, um, what if you pretend that's like one of your clients, like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, I should. But, I need to block like, up Put in your
1: schedule and be like, I got my client of myself. <laughs>
0: uh, and it's because it, my, my biggest, um, hobby is soccer. So I've been a big soccer fan, player all my life. And with COVID, I can't play. So my one thing that I typically lean on, I can't do. Um, I can't even watch soccer either, obviously. So I definitely got to find other ways to stay active.
1: Well, I I can send you – my friend just said it to me yesterday, and it's very uplifting and fun. uh, I need to get the ladies' names. But there's this, like – uh, African dance class on YouTube. It's like very vibrant and like fun. And I was literally in a meh meh mood last night and I did it and I was like, I'm fired up. (laughs) But I I think that's really important. I I think too, it's like, um, I just want to also remind my white listeners too, with when you are reaching out to your black and brown, um, friends and family and communities, it's like, you know, it is good to still reach out, but don't expect to get some, like, like, let go of the expectation. Like I'm, the thing I've been reminding friends is like, this is a traumatic time. So even if your own personal experiences also past generation, like all of the trauma is like front and center. So it's not for us to say the way somebody is supposed to respond when they're in trauma
2: but
1: like no thanks for
2: saying
1: that yeah oh my gosh totally like i mean i was like i did a whole thing like check in with your black and brown friends but then somebody was like you know I roll you know whatever it's like i'm done with white people checking in on me right now it's like i get Uh, it it's like you know you can't anyways yeah i
0: can see from his perspective but we still want that to happen because we appreciate your friends checking in um it's just you know i might it might take me 48 hours to get back to you because I got a whole bunch of texts from other white people. You don't know anybody (laughs)
1: anything. I just want to take a second and honor you for the leader that you are. I want to honor you for really like creating a heart-centered business that is really going to impact the masses and the ripple effect of the action you've taken, the way you've put yourself out there, the way that you're so courageous and brave and loving, deeply loving um, you can definitely feel that with in speaking to you with your business in your life. It's like everything is truly at a heart center. And I think that that is very inspiring. And um, I'm excited to see you like speak to other companies and be <laughs> on stages and have your podcasts. I, I definitely um, am excited to see, you know, what you do next.
0: That's so appreciated. Thank you so much. I think it's um how do I put it? I I struggle with this myself, right? My wife is always like, no, what are you talking about? Because you put yourself out there and you worry, right? You're you're concerned. You're like, gosh, I've said that. You know, what are people thinking of this? So they just like go away, Torn, why are you talking so much? Things like that. So it is very, very much appreciated hearing that it's valuable um, and it's perceived in a positive manner um, because that's that's certainly what I'm trying trying to achieve.
1: And on a superficial note, you have a great voice. So, like, <laughs> you know, you're going to do really well on your podcast. And, like, also, like, I mean, it's very suit, like. You can, can you just- believe,
0: can you believe that actually my accent was, like, 10 times stronger when I first moved here? But because of all the whole, and this is just a funny thing, kids, but it's like, oh, you're not black, you're English. Because I grew up in London. So that's where I picked up the accent. But when I moved to the States, I purposely toned it down because I didn't like all the attention I was getting because of this link between black and my accent. And I didn't like that. So I wanted to step away from that and say, I'm just me. Um, And the accent thing is not why you should listen to me more than anybody else. But I understand what you're saying, but it's just interesting how how we grow up, right? And how we learn. And I think to myself, man, I should have you know not done that because you know having an accent
1: is cool it it is it makes you like (laughs) a superstar here immediately oh no you're definitely like uh you know like you can market today like you're going to be speaking on a lot of uh platforms about you know the work you're doing
2: so it's amen uh, to that
1: yeah so it is That's a wrap for today on the Healer Dealer Podcast. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star review and let me know what you loved about this episode and what you want to hear more of. Until then, do what feels good. Know that you are always supported and it is your birthright to have all the things you desire. I'm your Healer Dealer, Diana Zalucki. Thank you so much for being here. I hope to see you next time. Cheers.